Welcome to Car Wash, the podcast, your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. So put it in neutral, feed off the brakes, and take your hands off the steering wheel, because here we go. Here are your guides on this journey. David Begin of Begin Insights and Car Wash Magazine Editor-in-Chief, Matt DeWolf. Hello and welcome to this episode of Car Washing the Podcast. This is your co-host, David Begin, with my other co-host, Matt DeWolf. Matt Fireball DeWolf. Fireball. <laughs> That's a new one for me, David. I haven't heard I that like, one. I like it. I think you need, to, you need to get that as your nickname. I think that would be great for the Thursday shows you're doing. Fireball. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. Matt, <laughs> throw it fireball. Just, the wolf. <laughs> just, just see if it sticks. I mean, you, you never know. You never know. I mean, you know, George on Seinfeld wanted a nickname. He was trying to get T-Bone. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, but you, you, the rule is you can't make your own nickname, right? Well, you Somebody can throw else it out there. You, could, yeah. you can throw it out there and see, you know, the, everything's different nowadays. So there's <laughs> no, that's what we're going to talk about. There's, there's a new normal. The rules on nicknames might have changed. We don't All right. Choose your own. Choose your own nickname. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't want to have any idea, but a uh, great job on the Thursday morning uh, shows you're doing. How's, oh, how's thanks, that going? How, how does that feel? You know, it's it's really um, it's really kind of a, a humbling experience to be able to be part of something like that because I I think that when all this stuff spun up and we started doing um, those programs, uh, there was a real need just to feel some level of positivity and and all this stuff and to you know, kind of like what we're going to talk about today to have a new normal and um, just being able to kind of bring the car wash community together. Uh, it's always been something that's very near and dear to me. And so like being able to, being able to do that every single week, I mean, it's, it's fun and yeah. fun. It's rewarding. It, it's um, there's no way around it. Good. Good. You're getting a lot of good comments from it. We, we like to think so, of course. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. I think, I think it, I think the, the audience is responding in um, the most positive way. You know, we've got a, we've got, we've settled into a pretty loyal following that's there every week. And we know that um, a lot of the value in the thing is that um, people are going to watch it after the fact, because obviously, you know, in the car wash industry, 1130 on a Thursday, hopefully you guys are washing cars, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully we're all kind of busy and slammed and not, uh, not free for 30 minutes to watch me uh, make a fool out of myself some days. But, uh, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of value in what we're going to do. And we're able, we're able to, you know, visit some, visit some operators virtually and see what they're doing as, and how they're responding to everything and just get some best practice stuff and just share some really great stories. And um, I think people appreciate that. And I think uh, that the longer that we do this thing, the more we're going to hear from others in the industry about what they're doing and the, and the better we're all going to be for it. Yeah. I love those operator stories you're telling and when you go on site and they're filming and they're doing Facebook live. And I think it's, it's just terrific. And it makes me feel good to see how those operators are doing. A lot of those folks are my friends and colleagues and, but I love watching how people are doing like the California car wash you did in Georgia. What a great yeah. facility that was. I mean, I was really impressed with how people are really stepping up their game when they're constructing new car washes, when they're operating their car washes, this whole industry is really taken off and it's becoming much more of a professional industry and people are really putting their best foot forward. And I love that. Absolutely. So really cool. Well, today we're going to talk about the new normal and I thought it would be interesting because I know we have to look at it from a car wash perspective, but we also have to look at it from 
just an individual perspective, what's happening with our families, what's happening with our communities, because they're talking about COVID-19 not really going away, which which really bums me out, to be honest. I thought, well, we got about a two to four month time window here, and then we're all going to go back to normal. But it sounds like it's not going to be normal for, you know, they're talking maybe two to three years. Which is which is really hard, right, for us as humans to kind of yeah. swallow that pill. That's a that's a large <laughs> that's a large pill to try to to try to choke down, and um, it's it's hard for people in general just to wrap your head around that and how to just operate day to day when you don't know when the end is. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I, I listened to a podcast by an individual named Andrew Huberman, who's a PhD at Stanford. He's a neuroscientist. And he talked about this about a month ago. So this is kind of when it was still spun up and mm -hmm. it was really new to everybody. Um, you know, everybody's kind of experiencing this low level stress because of this uncertainty. And he, he goes, we're you know, we're having to do something he calls, the reason why we're feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and stressed out is we're having to do a lot more of what's called serial processing every day. So when things were in the old normal, you used to be able to get up, you brush your teeth, check your emails, check your phone, start your day, and everything was pretty predictable. And nowadays, nothing is predictable. So you get up, you don't know what's happening. If you go to the grocery store, it's a whole new level of procedure you've got to go through and at least here in Colorado you've got to wait though they're throttling people going into grocery stores for example so yeah. if they get 300 people in there then there's a line that forms and as soon as two people come out two people go in are you seeing that in Minnesota yeah similar stuff I mean even um, just simple things like you know I, I was trying to ship some hard drives over to folks washes we visited before this all started out started to happen and just to go to the UPS store only four customers in at a time and you know you wait and it's you know it's a it's a it's a strange setup it's really yeah it's really funky yeah so we're having to think a lot harder than we ever had before about things that be that were normal and that just creates that low level stress and i think that's what what really frustrates people and uh creates the anxiety because um a couple things that that uh, dr huberman was talking about he goes we're really in what he calls deep 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 modes of uncertainty which i thought was a pretty interesting phrase that he used he said when you're in a situation your brain wants to figure out three things they want to figure out the duration of a situation they want to figure out what path you have to take and they want to figure out the outcome and with this pandemic those things are very uncertain right now so if you're doing a workout, I'll use that as an example. Yeah. You know, you do a 30 or 60 minute workout, you can pretty much put up with a lot of things if you know when it's gonna end. And when you can't, that's where this stress comes in into play. He goes, our nervous systems are working overtime right now. He goes, they're working a hundred times or a thousand times harder than it normally does because we're trying to figure out what's happening next and what can we do to, to control our behavior and what can we do to control our thoughts to navigate through this and you know that's what's making us really tired making us irritable uh, is this level of uncertainty because you know our brains want to know how long things are gonna last and as we get more and more information about this pandemic like we were talking about earlier I think before the podcast this could last for years yeah. and we could see additional spikes and we don't know what's gonna happen with these additional spikes we don't know how bad they're gonna be some you're talking about maybe a spike in the fall, another one in the winter, another one next spring. You know, we, we don't know what the 
you know, how bad it's going to be, how long you're going to last. We also don't know if we're going to be seeing the same type of restrictions we're seeing right now that we're desperate to get out of. Yeah. You know, the thing that I, I wonder about is, so now that we've done this before, right? Like whatever, whatever new normal is when we get out on the other side, even if we start to see some of those, those peaks and valleys of, of activity, I mean, you wonder, is it, is there just a pandemic mode? I mean, did we just press pandemic mode and then everybody knows, okay, go back to this level of operation and, and do these things? Or, or do you think that it's, um, do you think that, that we're going to try to find something that's sustainable in like this weird new in-between space? Well, I don't think we're dealing with two different disasters here. We're dealing with a medical disaster and we're dealing with the subsequent economic disaster. And so I don't think as, as a society, we've really figured out the economic part of this yet. I think we're going to see it in full bloom this fall. I think when the, the support money that the government gave out starts running out, when the unemployment runs out, when a lot of this money that's being thrown around runs out, I think then we're going to see, you know, companies that were sort of propped up during this period. We're going to see if they're going to survive mm -hmm. or not. And, and I think we're going to be seeing a major, my, my concern is we're going to be seeing a major economic downturn, uh, the likes of what we've never seen before. And when the next spike comes, I don't know if we're going to be going down the same path. I think we're going to have to figure out this, this middle road between what do we do from a health standpoint and what do we do from an economic standpoint? Because we just sort of took a mallet to the economy in the last maybe <laughs> And, yeah, which is sort of our nature, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we're going to have to take a, you know, a surgical knife to it and make some decisions like, okay, if you're, if you're over 65, we, we recommend you stay home. That's what you should do if you're young. If you're, we're going to have to get better about testing. I, I, I think some of these things will start coming into play a lot quicker. But the other thing that concerns me is government sort of figured out what they want to do now. So, you know, I, we were talking, we were always kind of meeting the last six weeks in Colorado. We had a car, Colorado car wash summit of car wash owners. We had a zoom meeting of what was happening and what was, ha what was not happening. And it was very inconsistent. What the, what the governor was saying versus what the counties were saying versus what the local governments were saying. And depending on where you were and what type of car wash you had, you could hear four different stories from six different people. You just, right. there was no consistency. This next go around, the thing that concerns me is government's not going to be lenient about anything. They've sort of figured out that they've got it figured out. If they go to phase two shutdown or phase three shutdown, whatever it is, they've got it already figured out of where car washes sort of fit in, into that, that array. And there's not going to be any begging and pleading and trying to justify our positions. I think they're going to be a lot more, uh, a lot more hard about it on the next go arounds if there are shutdowns. Yeah, you you know it's like um, it's like the department U.S. Department of Defense, right? You're, yep. We're at a DEFCON whatever level. Well, it's going to be maybe maybe that new normal is that we're at pandemic level three. Right. Yeah. And that means these things If we're at pandemic level five, that means something, something completely different. But you, you know, the, the good thing about that, not saying that I want us to be in that kind of a space. I, you know, this isn't a political conversation at all, but the good thing about that from a human being perspective is that at least we know what to expect. Yeah. So back to what you're talking about, then we would know, we would have some expectations in place and some rigor around what 
what to do and what to what to how to kind of operate and then maybe timeline maybe you know maybe no timeline but you at least have a better sense of what's going on and how you can navigate your day yeah yeah i would agree and it's interesting think about how you feel now matt versus how you felt four to six weeks ago so this is kind of becoming the new normal so i'm not as stressed out as i was back then I, i still have moments you know where i sort of get sad and freak out a little bit about what's happening but it's it's become a routine for us in what we're doing and what we're not doing and it doesn't feel i don't have that low level or mid-level stress i had all the time how about you yeah you know it it was really hard initially i mean i've got three kids um you know middle schooler a a first grader and a pre-k and you know when when all this stuff started first happening and we went to like distance learning and it was the same thing that we were talking about right there was no um no timeline put to anything or there was but then they were always moving and so there was really high levels of stress and it was like nonstop. but i think now it's like all right we kind of got that figured out we've turned those things our brains have turned a lot of that into habits and routine so it can be more efficient and it can free up space for us to do some of this other stuff i mean from a productivity standpoint i i can tell you that man in the last like week and a half I haven't been that productive as I've been in that period uh, since probably two months before COVID. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a different level of learning, but I think we're getting there and I think, it's, I think we're on the right path. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's interesting because a lot of people are very concerned about kids and how they're gonna, what the effect is gonna be on them. But Dr. Huberman says that kids have a heightened state of neuroplasticity. Have you heard that term about the brain that we yeah, can- Yeah, it's like it, it can fix itself, right? It yeah. can like move around and yeah. 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 So kids have it, adults have it. It's, it's, it's the hope that we have as human beings that we can, we can create new habits. We can get rid of bad habits. We can learn new things. You know, you have the capability of rewiring your brain. And he's saying right now, kids are in kind of in a heightened state of neuroplasticity. And he said that they're, they're building a lot of resistance as a result from this. And they're going to come out with the capacity to be able to sit in a house for a month. (laughs) <laughs> uh, without engaging, you know, their friends and, uh, you know, they're, they're, what they're learning now, they're going to bring to their adult lives, which I think would be interesting. So, um, you know, he, he really believes that, that they're going to be able to bring it to their college experiences, their adult lives. And he really believes kids are going to grow from this experience, kind of like we're growing uh, through this experience as well. But, but kids are going to be, he's like, kids are going to be okay with this. It's going to, yeah. it's actually going to improve their ability to you know, defer gratitude and to, you know, say, I'm not, I can't do this for a period of time. And I think that that'll make them better adults and better citizens. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, um, it's almost like forcing that, that idea of grit, right? Like, yeah. the, you know, the, the concept of grit is what makes you people ultimately successful. It's almost like forcing grit on an entire generation of, of people. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So some of the examples I've come up with, with new normals, and you've, you've got a great example as well, is, you know, a pandemic, interesting thing when you have a crisis in a society, uh, you get some instantaneous decisions uh, and changes that would have taken months or years of debate and policy analysis and all those things to, uh, to change. Things change very, very quickly. And, you know, people have tried to say, what are the opportunities that we have here uh, as a result of the pandemic. And that's always hard to do. And I don't always take a look and say, what are the opportunities? But there are people that have made some tremendous 
strides in their business. And, you know, I've taken advantage and say, what's, what's the new normal? How do we, where, where's the opportunity in this? And one example is white collar workers. I mean, for, you've seen growth in commercial real estate for the last 10 or 15 years where, and people are moving in, in, into the cities to work together. But I think we've kind of realized that, you know, a lot of us can work from home if we decide to. Yeah. Yeah. And there's enough infrastructure in place that that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's changing, right? So everybody's getting big, big screens, big PC screens or webcams. They're getting increased internet and they're realizing that they can work from home. And I've talked to a lot of car wash owners now in the car wash business it's difficult, right? Cause you need to be on site. Workers can't mm -hmm. work from home for the most part, but I've talked to some companies where I think it might become the new normal where you go to work two to three days a week in the office and you work the rest of the time from home. Yeah. And, and I think people are realizing the benefits of getting up, you know, either getting dressed or not getting dressed and working from home. I mean, the, you know, the roads, you know, the Colorado roads are, are a mess. We just, <laughs> you know, we're about 25 years behind the curve when it comes to roads and the roads are great, right? You can drive up to Denver, no problem. You know, so this working from home is actually solving a lot of problem, a lot of infrastructure problems. Uh, pollution levels have dropped quite a bit in Colorado, mm -hmm. um, which is really interesting because people aren't driving as much. So there, there are a lot of benefits from this whole instantaneous change in our behavior for people that are working from home, either full time or, or going to work from home part time. Yeah, that, that whole the whole environmental impact of, the, of, of people just slowing down has been really amazing to kind of see. And um, we're not, we're not very good at slowing down and taking, you know, taking in the moment sometimes, especially, especially when you think about in the car wash industry, you're an industry full of kind of go, go, go achieve entrepreneur types. And uh, guess what? Slowing down has been really good um, yeah. for, for a lot of people. Yeah. But, you know, that the thing that I wanted to, the thing that I wanted to, um, piggyback on you there for a little bit was with this, this concept of speed of change. Um, I just saw in my, I don't know if you're a musical fan, David, but I just saw my newsfeed. Um, Hamilton is, it was supposed to have their, um, their, their movie release, right. And in 2021 was with the original Broadway cast. They've have accelerated that. So that now it's going to come out on Disney plus on like July 3rd of this oh, year. Nice. So like nice. they, they just skipped a whole theatrical release they took it, they, they moved it up like 15 months ahead of schedule because it's, they're, they're adapting to the current environment. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's fascinating to see what's possible when you're not um, just doing things the way you've always done them. Yeah. And that's what I think we're going to see some major changes. And I think we're going to ask ourselves, do we need to go to a movie theater to watch movies? Right. Is something we used to do? Do we still need to do that? And the unfortunate part of this is it's going to decimate entire industries. Yes. So, yes. you know, there's, there's not going to be this slow moving change that we would normally see where people can all of a sudden make adjustments and, you know, less people work at movie theaters and start working somewhere else. And it, it's just going to be a dramatic change uh, that we're going to see here. But I think you're right. Sitting at home, we realize that, you know, do we, do we need to go do this? Do we need to go over there? Do we need to do that? You know, we're, we're questioning all those things. And I've, I've always asked people, you know, what are you learning from this? What are you going to do differently as a result of what you're learning in this experience? And it's interesting listening to people's answers. You know, it's, we, we, and I've said this since day one, we're given a gift of time here where we haven't had it mm -hmm. before. 
what are we going to do with the time? So, you know, most of us aren't sitting around watching Netflix and eating Cheetos all day. Uh, you know, we're speak for yourself. <laughs> okay. I am. But, um, you know, but we're, you know, what, what, what opportunity, what, how are we going to come out of this better either physically or mentally or spiritually or whatever you want to want to do, you know, how, how do we use this time that we're given to, uh, to really kind of develop a better version of ourselves. And so, uh, yeah, but unfortunately, you know, the economic thing is what I sort of look at and there's no good answers here. And I, you know, I'm watching both sides go at each other. It's people that are, are trying to defend the, the science mm-hmm. of the pandemic. And there's people that are trying to defend the economic side of it. And it's a very difficult discussion and nobody really has the answers on right. what to do and what's best. And I think, you know, I think everybody's just trying to do the best they can with what they've got. And both sides are wrong and both sides are right when you, when you come to this argument. Yeah. At the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter much, right? Because here we are and this is what, this is what reality is like and this is how things are happening and we we can, we can make the most out of it or not. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the, I shared with you this article in Forbes um, about what travel might look like as we come out of this, but my wife is a, is a, is big on travel and, you know, out of all this stuff, we had a couple of vacations planned that, that we've canceled. Um, the, 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 the article in Forbes is talking about some pretty drastic changes to the airline experience going so far as like, you might need to wait four hours, right. Yeah. To go through a line, to get into your, into your flight. Um, things like complete removal of things like, um, the sky club lounges, um, any of the, any of the kind of automatic upgrade stuff that you get with your statuses and that kind of thing. Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't really understand that one by the way, because it shouldn't matter where I sit on the plane if it's already been disinfected and cleaned in between me, but okay, that's a different thing. Um, but just this concept of like making it really, really difficult for people to travel at the, at the, with the, all the right intent, right. They want people to be safe and they want, you know, you know they don't want to spread, um, spread another pandemic around. Um, but there's only so much that human beings will tolerate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we were talking about before the show is how much are people going to, you know, I think people are tired of this. And we had an example of that here in Colorado. We had a, a restaurant open up on Sunday. It was a breakfast place and said, we're opening. We're, we're done. with this." And <laughs> the governor promptly suspended their license for 30 days. <laughs> But, um, you know, people are getting tired of it. And and you kind of get to the point, that'd be the other thing. Do people say, you know what, I'm willing to take the risk. I don't care anymore. You know, I might wear my mask, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sit at Broncos Stadium and watch the Broncos play football or whatever it's going to be. We just, you know, do we, we have focused so much on this and the, and the media and the government has had us really trying to say, Hey, stay at home. They've done such a great job of getting us to comply with everything I don't know if when you, you know, it could, it could be one of two things when they say, okay, it's over with, go back to doing what you were doing. You know, people are going to go, no, we're not going to do that anymore. You yeah. scared us to death with everything about this pandemic. You know, we're not going to go back and do what we did. So there's, there's that part of it, right? How do you get people to change? You know, we, we've kind of created behavior. How do you get them to go back to what we want to be the new normal? Or do people just decide, you know what? The heck with this. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of living like this and that'll be the other side of it. I, I don't know. That's, that's part of that un, uncertainty. Yeah. You know, they say it, it takes uh, 66 days, I think to, 
kind of formalize a habit, mm-hmm. we're, we're about there. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> we're, we're about there. Yeah, great point. But, you know, travel, I mean, airlines can't make money having people sit around for four no. hours. I mean, airports can't make money doing that. I mean, this whole thing, this whole travel industry is predicated on a certain model where you get people in and out of planes pretty quickly, right? And those planes don't make any money when they're sitting on the ground. They've got to be moving. So how do you fix that? Can you take, can you afford to take an hour or two and sanitize a plane every time you have a flight? Right. You know, it's just, again, that, that whole, that whole industry is really on its ear and how does it retool itself to kind of meet what this new normal is? It's interesting. I saw a video. I'm, I'm a private pilot as well, as you probably know, Matt. And I was watching a YouTube video of a guy that flew over Victorville, California, which is actually a staging area for aircraft. So a lot of airlines okay. will park their older aircraft out there. And they've literally shut down one runway uh, so they could park airplanes. They have over 600 airplanes parked out there wow. right now, all airline aircraft, you know, and they've, they've like got them all kind of in a jigsaw puzzle so they can put as many as they can on the, on the property. And the video said that uh, Southwest was bringing another 60 planes. So, I mean, if you go to Chicago, you're seeing planes. If you go to Pittsburgh, yeah. you're seeing planes are being taken to Tulsa. They're all over the place right now uh, where people are storing planes, but man, that is a, you know, that, that industry is decimated and they've gone between three and 5% of the capacity they had back in February. Three to 5%. I mean, that's for every like Sacramento airport, for example, had 500 Southwest flights Mm -hmm. in a week. They have five now. I mean, you know, (laughs) it's like, uh, it's like every flight is a regional airport experience. Yeah. It's just, it's just, you know, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? So that's, you know, that's one thing. And the other thing that was interesting is my son was talking about uh, that Apple and Google are currently developing proximity tracking applications that will allow you to identify all the people you were with if you became positive with COVID-19. Which, you know what, that brings up that whole subject of what are you willing to trade for, right? So are you willing to trade your privacy for, um, the ability to open the economy? Are we going to be willing to do that? Um, you know, countries like China, that's what they do. I mean, right. they, you know, they know exactly where you're at with your phone, who you've been with, um, all your health information is on that, you know, and actually that's, that's where you get your identification to say you're allowed to travel or you're, or you're not allowed to travel. It's, you know, they're very, they're very efficient at how they do that, but boy, you give up a lot of freedom and liberty doing that. So if you, if you test positive, do you want, you know, the health department or whoever to know who you've been with for the past 30 days? Right. You know, I don't know. I don't know. My, my son who works for Google thinks it's going to be a great app, you know, so. And, <laughs> it might be. And, I mean, guess what though? I mean, if, <laughs> think about the car wash industry. If, if that, if that data starts being available and think, thinking about the way that you could then reach people. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and they're talking about, we're not going to know the specific data. We're just going to get metadata. We're not going to be tracking you as an individual, but you know, once you're able to do that, then the possibility exists for that to happen. So eventually it becomes monetizable, right? That's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is monetizable now. I think when you have your phone and you're driving around, Mm -hmm. you are being tracked and that information is available kind of at a, metadata level so they don't know who you are 
as an individual, they know, they know what you're doing. And, you know, there's a lot of demographic information now that uses, creates traffic counts based on phones. So yeah. they don't always put those strips out there as much as they used to. So you can, you can get more updated and accurate traffic count uh, based on looking at people's phone activity. Those, which is those, those darn phones. Yeah, which is cool. And you can also <laughs> tell by hour what the traffic count is. So is this particular, you know, is this particular road used for going to work or is it used oh, for coming sure. home to work? You know, when are the busiest times in the morning or the busiest times in the afternoons? You know, and you can look at it by hour, by day of week, by week. So some of that stuff's already happening. So, um, so Matt, this might be a good ending point. Do you want to go ahead and end this episode and we'll start again in, in uh, part two? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. We've got a lot of good stuff so far. And I think, um, I think that's probably about as much as anybody can listen to you and I for one day. Yeah, I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. I don't know how anybody listens to us <laughs> anyway. So I'm just kidding. Enjoyed it. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Car Washing the Podcast. You can get this episode anywhere you get podcasts, especially at carwash.org. Go to the Car Wash Magazine and you can find the podcast. So for David and Matt, thanks for listening. And we'll be back with you with part two of the new normal. Car Wash the Podcast is your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. Our show helps investors, owners, operators, and managers think about ways to enhance their business. Our podcast is a free, on-demand audio program that provides information on the latest trends impacting the industry, tips from successful industry leaders, and inspiration for our listeners.